After she woke up, a woman told her husband, I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think it means? You'll know tonight, he said. That evening, the man came home with a small package and gave it to his wife. Delighted, she opened it to find a book entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. That's acceptable, right? I mean, works in my house. So, this being Valentine's Day and the month of love and such things, we're going to take a look at part two of something I started two weeks ago, which I didn't know there was a part two of until I got home that day. So, we had... A message called Just Love two weeks ago, and then this last Sunday we had Vision Sunday. If you weren't here for Vision Sunday, I want to encourage you to please get the recording. It's on the website. You can download it, listen to it while you're at work pretending to work. Just play it in your ear, um, and you'll have an idea of where we're going as a church for 2016. Um, So we had that, and then we had Vision Sunday, and now we're doing part two of two parts. We're only doing two parts of this one, but part two of just love. So when I spoke two weeks ago, I started off by saying something. I started off by saying that all religions ask this question. Every single religion that has been on the planet, every single religion that is on the planet is asking the same things. And this is the question. What do I need to do to make sure God is okay with me? Every religion says, well, you need to do this. You need to pray in this way. You need to pray this many times. You need to say this while you're holding this. You need to go into this booth and speak to this person for you to be okay with God. These are the things you need to do in order to be okay with God. And there's a lot of rules and regulations and laws and commands and those sorts of things. And and every single religion on the planet, including Judaism, is has that same sort of Pretext. It's got the same background. It's got the same question that they're asking. That was obviously until Jesus came along. Now I'm recapping from two weeks ago. So if you were there, you're going to have heard this before. But it was until Jesus came along and introduced a radically different model. He ushered in a movement that was not like anything that had been seen before on the planet and still has not been seen. Uh, nothing is like that. Uh, that is on the planet now. It is a completely new movement that Jesus ushered in. He essentially said this. This was the simplicity of what he was saying. If you believe in me, you can have a relationship with God, and you and God are then okay. Now, that wasn't like anything else. What do you mean? What about all the commandments? What about all the laws? What about not doing certain things? Well, he said it like this in John 3.16. He said it many places, but this is one of the places he said it. For this is how God loved the world. Or many of us know it as, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who follows the rules will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who does everything that is commanded will not perish. Well, it doesn't say that. 
What does it say? Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So he, in a sense, changed the rules of the game big time. And all of a sudden, it, it, it stopped becoming about what I need to do and what I, what I need to stop doing. And it became about this. Is there a relationship between me and you? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? Yes, you and God are okay. And that seems overly simplistic, but that was the message. That's why people were against it. This is too easy. I've studied for years to be able to follow all these rules, and now you're telling me that I can just throw them out the window, and all I need to do is this thing. But they work together. So it's not about me constantly doing things to make sure God's okay with me. No. But I thought as a Christian, I mustn't hurt anyone. I must try not to swear. I mustn't steal. I mustn't smoke. I mustn't drink or get drunk. And I thought as a Christian, I need to pray a lot and read my Bible and go to church. Then God will be okay with me. Then God will answer my prayers. And maybe then God won't let bad stuff happen to me. If I can, that's what I understood Christianity to be. If I can just do these things and not do those things, me and God are going to be okay. No. It's not about doing things and not doing things. This is the awesome good news of Jesus. God loves you. And if you believe in him, you and God are okay. That should be freeing for some people here this morning. That is a liberating thought for people. That we don't need to be bound and put on these weights of, oh, I'm not sure if I, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. Oh, I don't, oh, I didn't do this. And I swore just before I came into church and I had a fight with my spouse. I'm not sure that I can worship God because. Now, this should be a liberating thing. If your faith is in Christ, the end of the story is you and God are okay. Does that mean if you put your faith in Jesus, it's okay to do those bad things? Does it mean if you put your faith in Jesus, it's okay not to do those good things like pray and go to church? Here's the answer to that. Everything that you do and everything that you don't do as a Christian is a response to the love and grace that God has shown you. We don't earn anything from God by doing what we do and not doing what we do. Every single thing, and you say, well, that's a really small difference. It's a massive difference which sounds small. And it's an attitude of the heart. We don't do things so that God and me can be okay. Me and God are okay. But I do this because I'm just so thankful for everything that he did in my life. Does that make sense? That's how we operate. That's how we live. So it still leaves one question. If me and God are okay, and I can't do anything to make him love me more, and I can't do anything to make him love me less, then does it really matter how I live my life? Well, a lot of people asked Jesus that very question. There were a lot of good people and there were a lot of not so good people who asked Jesus that question in different words. And they said, well, I've studied to follow all these commands, but your disciples seem to live on another page. They seem to do things on the Sabbath. They heal people. There's miracles happening on the Sabbath. Um, they're teaching. They, there's this blasphemy that you're speaking. You seem to have a different set of rules here. I'm the one who's studied this stuff. I know it. And so they said to him, well, okay, if the rules aren't important, if it's not about what I do and what I don't do, then, then what is it about? Tell me the bottom line of what this thing about serving you is about. And this was his answer. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. There's one commandment with two parts. Love God, love people. Goes on to say this, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on this commandment. Now what does that mean? The entire law and the prophets is based on this. Now you must remember what they had at that stage was the Old Testament. It was the writings. They obviously were still writing the New Testament in a little bit of a while. But what they had was the Old Testament. And, and Jesus is saying every single law in the Old Testament... Every single rule in the Old Testament, every single command in the Old Testament, every single story in the Old Testament, it all hangs on this thing, love God and love people. Every single rule, command, everything is based on this. Can you do this? Because that's actually what I require. It's an amazing thing. And I ended my message uh, two weeks ago by asking the question, what if it really is that simple? What if our entire existence and purpose is simply to love God and love people? What if it's so simple? Everyone that we know, the family we have, the job we have, what if everything is geared around that? So at the end of church, I thought it was an okay message, and I got home, and as we do, me and Sarah talk about these things on the way home, and uh, we're pulling into my driveway, and Sarah says, you know, that was good, that was helpful. It's now clear that as a Christian, we exist simply to love God, not to do things to get Him to love us, and the only way we show God that we love Him is by loving people. That was very clear. But couldn't you have had a more obvious practical element at the end? How does it look? I mean, how do we live this thing out? We get that, but now, you know, it's Monday coming, and what does it look like? So that's a fair question, and that's why there's a part two of the message this morning. You can thank Sarah after this, or don't thank her. Uh, Up to you. Depends how you find the message. So the message on love from two weeks ago highlights our purpose our reason for living. But what I want to take a look at this morning is another aspect or facet of that purpose, which is our mission, how we live that out. Now that we know that the most God-honoring thing that we can do with our lives is to love God by loving people, we need to look at what that would look like in our day-to-day living. How do we live that out on Monday? Because it's one thing to know you must live to love, but how do you apply this thing? And let me start by saying this, when we know what we should do, but we don't live it out, it leads to a sense of frustration. I don't know about you, that's definitely for me. If I know the things that I should do, okay, I know that that loving God and loving people, that's the ultimate thing, Um, but I know that when I'm not living it out, there's a sense of frustration and an inward kind of a fight that goes on inside of me, and I'm sure for most people it's like that. And this frustration comes because we've got a kind of spirituality that looks good. We do and say the right things in the right places to the right people. But it's not effective at reaching people with the love of God. I mean, why do we exist? 
We need to think about this. Here's a lovely short answer. We're on the mission and we are the mission. Now, what do I mean by that? Our hearts have forever been changed by the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Many of us in this room. And if you're sitting in this room and you've never experienced that, that you've never experienced the love and the grace of Jesus Christ in your life, let me tell you something. We're going to have an opportunity for you later to be able to do that. But we are the mission. Our hearts have been changed. Christ has done something in us which has changed the way that we think, which has changed the way that we live, which has changed our path and our destiny forever. We are the mission. But at the same time that God's working in us, He expects us to be bringing others into contact with the same good news. And so we are the mission, but we are on the mission. That's very important. You see, some people get trapped into thinking that everything about life is we are the mission. I've got to work on myself. Self-help, self-improvement, Oprah, Dr. Phil. I don't have anything against them per se, but you know what it is. It's You can sort yourself out. All the spirituality you need is inside yourself. Every resource you need is inside yourself. It's just changing the way that you think about things. And no, 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 it's actually Jesus in you that changes you. We are the mission. God is changing and transforming us. But we are also on a mission. It doesn't just stop with us. How selfish would it be if you knew something good and you never told someone else about it? How crazy would that be? Imagine there was, you were in a desert and you were thirsty. And there were a whole bunch of you. And you were just within shouting distance of each other. And in front of you stumbled into a well. And it was just, there was just so much water. How crazy would it be to just sit down and just drink a little bit? And everyone else is crawling and dying and their lips are splitting like in the movies and it's just desperate and you're just loving, enjoying the well. I'm the mission. I needed this. I needed refreshing. Thank you, Lord, for this well over here for me. How crazy would that be? And yet sometimes, isn't it true that with the message of Jesus Christ, we are like that? Thank you, Jesus. I just want to sing and thank you and tell you how incredible you are. Thank you for changing my life. Ooh, I don't want to talk to that person about you. God can only do it for you? That's madness. But sometimes we live like that. So this is important. We are the mission, and we are on the mission. Here's the big problem, though, and it's related to being on the mission. This is my personal feeling. Maybe you don't feel the same way. My feeling is this. It's too easy and too comfortable. And that's a church problem. Church has made the mission too easy and too comfortable. How have we done that? The church was never meant to be the destination. It was always meant to be the fueling station. And so we make this whole Jesus thing a little bit too easy and a little bit too comfortable. If I can just get myself to one of the services on a Sunday morning, then me and God are going to be okay. Then my mission, I'm living out my faith, this is amazing. No, you're not. You're just getting refueled. You're just coming here to get inspired. You're coming here to get something that you can take into your week and give to someone else. That's what you're here for. We don't come to church to, to be loved and to be cuddled and to, and to just, you know, for someone to say, man, that is such a fancy dress. I really like that. And your hair looks amazing. No, no. We come to church so we can get equipped so we can do that for other people. That is so important. 
Because if it's all about church and how many people can we get in the seats in church on Sunday, we don't care what we're telling them. We'll do anything to get them here. We just want a full church because we want to win. Hey, Craft Renette, we're going to win Craft Renette. Here we go. We're going to have the most people. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It's not the destination. This is just a stopping point for the rest of your week. That's what it's meant to be. And so we don't want to make this thing too, too easy. I believe in general, as the church of Christ, we've become weak as soldiers, as missionaries, as Christians that have a real message of hope. We've become weak and we've just sat on it. We've just sat around our well, just lapping up our water every Sunday. And there's so much more that we can do. Isn't it true? I mean, rain keeps us even out of church. I mean, sometimes we need to be equipped, hey, and we need to come and we need to receive something. But, ah, oh, rain keeps us out. Ah, can I get my hair? going to mince. Can I get my shoes wet? I'm not sure how to deal with this stuff, you know. Mm, I'll go next week. I'll go to both services next week. I'm going to make up for this. The cold keeps us in bed. The heat keeps us in bed. Good grief. How do you, how do you get away from the things here? Work and sleep. Keep us from spending time with God. Isn't it true? Just that, just one more snooze. Just one more snooze. Just one more snooze. Anything just keeps you away from spending time with God. It's just too difficult to do that. Because we've become weak and lazy. Feeling awkward or embarrassed keeps us from loving people and sharing the good news of life through Jesus with them. Isn't it true? It's just such a, we think, oh, it's it's such a big deal. I'm going to have to, if I talk to someone at work, I'm going to have to see them tomorrow and it's just going to be terrible if they don't say yes or if they're not interested in what I have to say. They're going to think I'm a Bible bashing, weird Christian. And so it just keeps us from that. You know, anything will keep us from making progress. If you're looking for a reason or an excuse, you're not going to come short finding one. You will find one. If you want to be a lazy soldier, man, there's just so many reasons and excuses that you can pull out. We've lost a sense of urgency and sacrifice for the mission we're on. The mission has become about convenience more than cause and about security more than sacrifice. Sooner or later, you've got to ask yourself a question. Do I really believe what I believe? Or do I just enjoy having my water on a Sunday? Or do I believe what I believe? When I sing these things and I say, hope of the world, thank you for dying. You're lifted up. You've rescued me. You've saved. Do I believe that? If I believe that, shouldn't that affect the way that I live my life tomorrow? I'm talking to myself. Always, I talk to myself first. Now, if you're not in church and you're listening, there's a slide on the screen, and it says, Jesus loves porn stars. Now, I can see this is very awkward for people. Can you laugh? Can't you? I'm not going to. No, no. Love his aviators. Love the mustache. But I'm not sure that I like what it's saying over there. It's not meant to offend anyone here. The reason I put this up is a very good reason. When I saw this, and I saw it years ago now, this challenged me to the absolute core of what I thought I understood and knew. Because I thought, 
My initial thing was, that's rubbish. Then I was like, wait, wait. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. It's quite a shaking thing. We can see the way Jesus lived his life. He wasn't afraid to love prostitutes, to love tax collectors, government officials, whatever it might have been. It was an incredible thing that he did. He changed everything. There's nothing in this life that's more important than loving God and loving people with no strings attached. Not only in your friendships. I spoke about this with Sasha yesterday. We were speaking about loving people just randomly. I don't always have these conversations with my kids. Um, but every now and again I do. And we were talking about loving people and how do you love people and, and what does it mean to love your friends and how can you show them that you love them? And, and what, if, what if someone bullies you? How do you love them and do you love them and should you love them? So it was an interesting conversation with an eight-year-old. Um, but there's nothing more important than loving God and loving people with no strings attached. Not only your friendships or your close relationships. Obviously, you're going to love those that love you. But what about other people? What about your colleagues? What about strangers? What about people who have wronged or hurt you or someone you care about? Jesus said this. He said, a new command I give you. This is what he ushered in with his new movement. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Now, loving other people isn't the new command. That was actually an old command. So how does he make it new? Well, he adds a little bit there that I've highlighted in black. As I have loved you. See, that wasn't there before. But he was about to demonstrate what, what love really looks like. Loving people like Christ loved us is the revolutionary part of this command. It's the kind of love that brings people into God's kingdom and strengthens those that are already here. Jesus was a living example of God's love. And we're meant to be a living example of Jesus' love. That's the way that it was designed to be. He said that people will be able to tell that we're his disciples when they see what? How well we love each other. So what do people see when they look at us? If they could come into your home and just be a fly on the wall, what would they see? These are good questions to ask yourself. I'm not trying to bring condemnation onto anyone, but this is something you want to think about. How, what are they going to see about the way you treat your partner, your husband or your wife, your mom or your dad, your kids? What, what would they see if they were a fly on your wall? Would they be able to conclude, I can't believe the amount of love this person has for his family. It's supernatural. It's unbelievable. What about if they saw you at school or at work? What about if they came and they were a fly on the wall in some of the parts of the church at different times? Because they are, you know. People are there and they hear things and people talk. What do people say about us as a church? Are we jealous, gossiping? What do we, 
What do people see when they look at us? When they look at our church, when they look at our home? The kind of love Jesus is speaking about isn't a feelings love. Christ never died for us because he felt like it, but he knew that real love shows itself in action. Always. Not like the man who said to his wife one day, I told you on our wedding day that I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. That's a guy who doesn't understand that. Real love shows itself in action. So how do we show our love for God? We've been over this. We've said it simply by loving other people as Christ loved us. That's the only way you can show God you love Him. Can I tell you something? We're all people. We love God and we want to sing and tell Him how much we love Him. But it isn't going to be half an hour or an hour after we walk out the building that our lips are going to say something maybe slightly different. See, that's not the measure of how much we love God. What we say. It's not even how good we are. Because we all know that no matter how good we are, it's a matter of time before we do something that's not good. So it was never about those things. So how on earth do we tell this incredible, amazing, almighty God that we love Him? We just love people around us. That's it. That's the only way, that's the only measure that we can show our love for God is like that. And I mentioned this Two weeks ago, you can't separate your love for God from your love for people. Don't tell me that you love God, but you can't take people. There's something wrong in your theology there. You cannot love God and not love people. They must work. You can love people and not love God. But you can't do it the other way around. So here's a question. How do you know when you've got an opportunity to love people like Jesus loved? Here's one of the most powerful ways when it's inconvenient if you go and you do some reading in the gospels you're going to find something Matthew, Mark, Luke and John they, they, they show a lot of things and they highlight a lot of things when Jesus loved people the most it was the most inconvenient for him it was always that he was being interrupted. He just wanted to go to a quiet place. Oh, but there's a crowd. And he had compassion on them. And he healed all their sick. And he waited there for eight hours and healed everyone. And then, uh, he just wants to go, okay, you know what? But everyone's hungry. I'm, okay, let's do this thing. I'm just on the way to this guy's house because he's asked me to be there. And now this lady touches me. What's going on here? I'm, everything that he did was in, it was inconvenient to love. And yet, every single time, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. He showed them love. He healed them. He spoke to them. He encouraged them. It was inconvenient. So you know what? You show Christ's love when it's not convenient to help. When it hurts to give. When we look after the needs of others before looking after our own needs. You show Christ's love by not reacting when people insult you or talk about you behind your back or fight with you. You show Christ's love by not taking offense when you're rejected or made to feel stupid or small. This kind of love is not natural for any one of us. None of us. This is not natural. Which is why Jesus said, by this all men are going to know that you are my disciples. Because it takes a supernatural kind of love to be able to love when it is so inconvenient and difficult. Does that make sense? 
And when people see that, they say, this is a normal. Something's going on here. This person doesn't love like everyone else loves. Going beyond these walls is all about loving God and loving people that we are connected to and our spheres of influence. This here, this statement, connecting people to people and people to God and our vision statement and our mission statement and all these things, they're not going to change our community. The writing on the wall is not going to make any shred of difference. It's going to take us activating what we know and putting into practice, putting it into practice in our surroundings. We need to look, and here's the thing, here's the challenge. You want something practical, here it is. We need to look out for the opportunities in our day to love, to show love and kindness. You know that band that a lot of people wore and some people may still wear it and says, what would Jesus do? And everyone says, we want Jack Daniels. That, that WJD. I find that quite difficult. I mean, it is difficult because what would Jesus do? Let's face it, I mean, <laughs> he would do the right thing. You know, he always wins. But for me, I find I personally, and maybe you will as well, find it more helpful to think of it in a what would love do in this situation? What would love do in this when, when I'm faced with this situation? When I'm in the traffic, when I'm in a work environment, when I've got something to say, when my kids are being kids, when all these things are happening, what would love do in that situation? And maybe that's a good, for me, it's a more helpful question than what would Jesus do? We all know what Jesus would do. He would be perfect. Okay, that's tough. (laughs) But what would love do? Because we can do that. Because we've seen Jesus do it. What would love do in this situation? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Galatians 5, 6. Powerful verse. Not one of the things that counts. The only thing that counts is does your faith in Christ translate to loving people? If it doesn't, your faith is useless. Ooh, that's as simple as the Bible puts it. We need to do what Jesus did and keep things in its proper place. Keep love over law, keep relationship over religion, and keep people over programs. Always. They are more important than the... Than the law, then the religion, then the programs. He was drilling that into people all day as he walked around. And isn't that incredible? That's something we've got to do as well. Coming into land here, but the opposite of love isn't hate. It's apathy. We've been called to love people. When there's an opportunity to do that and we shrink back, that's the opposite of love. So what I'm saying is we need to step forward when we see those situations. Those situations exist. I think all of us know that. But we need to be aware of them. You know, when you want to buy a certain kind of car, that's the only kind of car you see in the road for some reason. You know, soon I wanted a Ford Cougar. Then everyone's driving a Ford Cougar. But I think in Crawford, everyone literally is driving a Ford Cougar. So, but you just see that car that you're looking for all the time. This is one of those things that you want to get your head into seeing. Is there an opportunity to show inconvenient Christ-like love to someone in this opportunity right now? And you, and you almost want to be geared towards that. Oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. And you step into it. And I promise you there will be times when you shrink back still. But if we can step forward more than we shrink back, we're going to be doing well. We're going to be doing what Christ commanded us to do.
We don't love people for any other reason than they are a potential child of God. All people were created in the image of Christ. And they're just waiting for that relationship to begin. That's it. That's why we love people. Because they have value to God. That's why we love people. Not because of what we can get out of it. But because they have value to God. So every day, when you wake up in the morning, pray, ask God to reveal the opportunities that you can love people.